the role of the storyteller in history has existed to allow us remembrance and the present moment of being together and the future toward which we are turned in mystery. We have the great oral traditions all throughout the world in which storytellers will bring forward tales of all the seasons of a man or woman or person's life. And stories from long ago, this saber-toothed tiger, that creature from the sea so dangerous, and this one so magnificent, and this creature of the air, and this one so low to the ground. Be careful of this one. This one is able to be followed in direction when they go north in the summer, the cold weather is leaving. When they go south, be careful that there is enough fish gathered and dried. The winter jackets are already prepared, boots adequate for the feet of the small children. So the cycle of life has its own beauty. The rhythm of the seasons is slightly different everywhere upon this earth, and yet we turn from the history that there may be remembrance, that mystery was safely embodied through our ancestors to this present current breath. We draw the next breath into the mystery of the future and our aspirations that the civilization which has defined us this far should see us through to meet beings from all across the planet and exchange the understanding. And you, from here, how shall your people be with winter, summer, heat, failure of this crop, substitution of this fruit for another, when there is no rain. And so we have this quality that I've used in recent classes as stepping stones. And you're standing as one stepping stone. Your incarnation is one stepping stone of a path for the human race. And mine is right here beside yours. There is a space between the stepping stones of you and myself. In that resides mystery. Who are we? And another person crosses the horizon. And who are they? They come close and they say, I'm from Texas. I think that's a foreign land to me. Huge, vast. It's where I reside now. <clears throat> John and I have told these stories many times that the land was so large that when a stranger came across the plains, there was concern, who is this person? Where are they coming from? What do they want? So to the current day, it's very interesting to meet people in Texas. Who are you? Where are you from? Why do you live so far from home? Trouble with your people? And I answer, no, it's called February. I have terribly damaged knees from accidents when I was younger. 
conversing with my brother and sister yesterday and today. They reside in areas of western New York State where there were 14 inches of snow yesterday. Icy roads over the weekend. It's very beautiful. It's quite dangerous for me to walk out with my cane and my difficult knees on land when it's covered with snow and ice. And so <clears throat> I've spent most of my adult years living in warmer climates to the south and west. California, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas. Oh, the mystery is answered. Oh, Beth's knees are they're there. I could not see that they were damaged. It doesn't show. But if I had to climb a mountain to save a two-year-old child in the ice, I would have to turn to you and say, <clears throat> I know where she is. I know where he is. I can feel them with my heart. Could you hike that hill for me? Because I cannot. And you would say yes or no. And the well-being of the child would depend on the two of us, not just on me. <clears throat> it might depend on the two of us because my intuition would know where the child is. Or you might have a great intuition too and not need me at all. But rest in my strength and my love beside you. So the nuances of mystery between and among us are as myriad as the stars. Every moment in time, throughout all the space that comprises this earth, is mysterious and infinitely beautiful and made of the holy of holies, to which we turn in a tabernacle of a synagogue or a church or a mosque or the mountaintop upon which a small stone lantern is placed calling the kami, the spirits of the forest and of nature, foreign in Japan, or calling out to the nature of the immortals, the great souls who've gone before us and now live in the heavens to guide us, of the Chinese. Who are we? We are a mysterious race, the human race. Why don't we think of ourselves that way? Well, because we generally are taught, you're a really important stepping stone. <clears throat> you know, I know you are because you went to that school and you're wearing clothing that costs that much money or you're well enough off to have clothing at all or shoes or a bed or a home or an apartment or a mansion. Speak one language, five languages. <clears throat> so we continually tend to ask one another questions. What does that stepping stone look like? Every single factor about it. I don't want any mystery between us because I want to know that my incarnation is more predatory than yours, will live one moment longer than you. Then you can't kill me. You can't denigrate me. You can't destroy the concept I have of how important my stepping stone is. But that's not who you and I are. That's only the shell of who we are. If we were in a storm in the Alaskan bush, one of the elders would have turned and asked me, Elizabeth, is your friend cold? Actually, they wouldn't have done that. They would have said to me, your friend is cold. <clears throat> and I would turn to my friend and say, Martha said you're cold. 
and I remember this happening. How does she know? I said, well, she can feel it. Well, how could she feel it? She doesn't even know me. I go, well, she lives a quarter of a mile away from you, and she can feel that you're cold, so she's invited you to come and see her. Well, why would she want to see me? To make you some tea so you wouldn't be cold. Why would she want to do that? See, we, <clears throat> we go into these arguments. There must be a saber-toothed tiger out there that wants to devour me, and I, my answer is not necessarily... Saber-toothed tiger was one aspect of the primordial civilization of the earth when mankind arose to state memories. Be careful of this remarkable creature. Be very careful. Be virtuous. Be discerning. And then the next moment into life, Oh, the stepping stone of my ancestor tried to compose himself to be with that creature. There were 10 million other things going on in the very neighborhood of the saber-toothed tiger. Orchids, starlight, frogs calling, early songbirds, small mammals, the cry of a newborn human baby, Inspiring that hunter, that gatherer, to love. What is this feeling I have about this little creature, this human, whom I must protect from the saber-toothed tiger so he or she or they may enjoy the Garden of Eden here, all around us, the paradise. But the thread of how we know ourselves as a stepping stone <clears throat> is usually just based on the saber-toothed tiger not on the orchid, not on the tree, not on the extraordinary song of a long-gone bird extinct 10,000 years ago. And we think, why don't I know those stories? Because we have listened so completely to the storyteller's aspects about death and destruction <clears throat> that the predator is important, the one who wins the war is important. The one who wins and the one who loses, they are the winner and the loser. The storyteller is usually neither of them. The storyteller usually is someone who has the gift of mystery. Somehow God, and whatever one wants to call him or her, that great one, or the universe, whatever name one gives to the divine, there is moved an inspiration through certain beings, the perception of the space between the stepping stones. And in that, <clears throat> one turns to another being and is aware of this stepping stone and that stepping stone, and that one from Texas, the place where the blue bonnets grow. When did your people come to Texas? And they might think, why do you want to know? And I go, I just would like to know. You don't have to tell me. And then I tell them, you know, there are so many native tribes that were in Texas. Most of them are extinct now. Yeah, we killed them all. I go, I, I know that. And then I say, and you know, your very name, Texas, comes from a tribe extinct from smallpox in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. 
which named you Tejas, friend. Oh, I didn't know that. I go, well, I guess you were a friend. And they answer me, except the diseases we brought that have rendered them extinct. And the mood then moves to the loss the Texan has for his unknown ancestors who've given him his very name and mine. Oh, a story of the area around the stepping stones of who we are. The mystery of this is always part of the weaving on the loom of God. That weaving gives us the meaning of who we are in the present moment, in eternity, everywhere. It's beyond all weapons. God always answers that part of us, no matter what is happening on the earth. So <clears throat> I would say that for me, one of the gifts I would speak of to you is please embody that place in yourself. Please seek that place in relationship with everyone you meet, always, everywhere. You'll find then that there is sacred meaning in your dignity and the dignity of another human being meeting because God will reveal to you the weaving between and among you, where he dwells, where she dwells, where that great one dwells. Oh. And then we are living on the path all among the stepping stones everywhere. And God will find a way to come to you every moment of your life. Still, you want to use the discernment of your past, the places where one is taught, be careful of this snake, it is poisonous. Listen for that songbird. Her song is so beautiful. Be careful not to put the small kitten or puppy out at nighttime where the great horned owl lives very close by in a tree puppy or kitten is too small to defend themselves against that great creature who will eat them. <clears throat> so we keep the puppy or kitten within until it's large enough to be too big to be food for the owl. And then for years we hear the owl call at night and the dog comes in and out to watch over the family in the area as the owl hunts and sleeps. And the stepping stone of the life of that owl and the stepping stone of the life of our dog is safe. And when we talk to another human being, we tell them, it's important for you not to buy that house. Your cat will be eaten within the first week by that owl. It's important for you to make a decision. You'd have to keep her in the house all the time. I can't do that. She would want her freedom too much. Well then we need to find another way for you to do this. Mystery. <clears throat> I observed two experiences in the last few weeks that were unsought by me. <clears throat> One of the tribes which adopted me in their own wishes is the 
Seneca Oneida uh, tribe of the Haudenosaunee or Iroquois Nation Confederacy, which is the traditional tribes from the area where I was conceived and born in this incarnation. And in that formal adoption, I was taken in to the clan mother who adopted me, who was part of the wolf clan. <clears throat> so I was taken in personally, given a name, and told, you are part of the wolf clan through your matrilineal adoption. What are wolves like? There are many things. Just like each of us as a human being is many things, and our families are, and our regions are, and our nations, and our continents, and our, our civilization of the world. And so <clears throat> in the wolf clan, the quality of how one is taught as a child is to observe the animals in one's domain and study their gifts and their challenges. So this past week, I <clears throat> turned on the television to watch a film. I try to practice my, my schoolgirl French every month or two by watching a film, reading poetry or uh, brief articles and books in the French language. <clears throat> and I came upon a film called Mystere, or Mystery. It was made by a man named <clears throat> Denis Imbert, or Denis Imbert, D-E-N-I-S, I-M-B-E-R-T. Various dates show it as 2019. It was released out into the world on the 3rd of February, 2021. Uh, it's translated into English and is available on Netflix internationally. It's called Vicky and Her St Vicky and her story. It's a story based on <clears throat> the true experience of a little girl in France. She's a child of a surgeon, <clears throat> her father, and a mother who dies when the little girl is in her early to mid-childhood. And her father moves to their little mountain home of his youth. He's been bequeathed to him by his family as his parents have died and <clears throat> instead of staying there for a vacation they go to grieve the loss of the wife mother and they become lost on a hike and a wonderful farmer up in the high hills the lower mountains meets them and the little girl is drawn to intuitively go into his work shed and finds a little puppy curled up in a milk crate on a bed of straw and she starts to pet him and the man comes and finds her and gives her the puppy and he tells her it's a gift from the forest for her and the puppy turns out to be a wolf <clears throat> so a story unfolds and it's a true story which is so interesting to me and the argument <clears throat> in the film and in France and in Europe and in the United States and Alaska and anywhere where wolves live has been, what shall we do with the wolf? How can we control them where we either get rid of them or, you know, they will hunt our sheep. They will hunt our cattle. They're dangerous. And the film is able to reconcile aspects of understanding culturally and scientifically 
of how to be with the wolves in their natural terrain in an area of France where the government will compensate the farmers for loss of their, their herd, in areas of the relatively high mountains where <clears throat> there aren't a lot of farms and there aren't a lot of sheep or goats or cattle or horses. So it's a reciprocity that's possible in that rather wild, remote region. And the little girl's wolf is fine. And the sheep and the farmers are fine. And the forests are fine. All of the stepping stones from wolf to mountain to tree to deceased mother's soul to surgeon father and veterinarian and farmer and uncle and girl and wolf comprise holy family. A rather beautiful French lesson for me transforming the saber-toothed tiger from a predator and my ancestor from the predator who had to conquer him into a modern figure in me that would study what shall I do next for the tigers of our world, of, of whom there are very few now. How shall we do this together? The Mongolians, the Tibetans, the Siberians, the Chinese, the people of Mustang, and Nepal, and India, and Bangladesh, and Pakistan, in America, in the world, are the tigers, the human beings. We know what to do. We can do this. <clears throat> that aspect of civilization allows mystery to be infinitely beautiful rather than something to be feared. So our storytellers historically would tell a tale and leave in our hands the, the history of sentiment and remembrance, a cold Arctic winter, four men going hunting for whales, one of them drowning, three coming back safely with the meat of a whale to caretake the tribe forward. And now we might have a vegan daughter who doesn't want us to eat whales, wants to preserve the whales of the world. And we can allow our history of the hunters and the danger of the whale hunt and the nature of survival for the whale or the human to become transformed. We can do this. The whale, the hunter, the daughter living in her various cells, oneness in the stepping stone she is with the whale and the hunter and herself. This mystery is not frightening, <clears throat> and it doesn't need to be demonized. So, so much of where a being like me dwells is in the story of God, in my heart of hearts, in that still point of eternity in the middle of the heart. So that in my throat area, in the inner voice between the heart chakra and the chest and the throat chakra, truth can come forward as mystery realized. Oh, you and I, we can do this. Wherever you reside, and where I reside here beside my John, who is from Texas. Then the place around the stepping stones of John and you and me is holy family. 
Are you warm enough? Are you cool enough? Does your child have enough books for school or a pencil? Enough fruit to eat that they are all right? And you and I. Oh, I'm hungry. Do you have an apricot or a persimmon or a mango or some rice? And we share this. Then we have the fruit of heaven through the earth. And we know one another, heart to heart, breath to breath. Holy Spirit manifest in us as mystery realized. And the lessons of heaven become one within us here upon the earth. I'll use the second lesson. <clears throat> There's a man who's from here in Texas whom I don't personally know. His name is Taylor Sheridan. I heard of a film that he had written a number of years ago, a handful of years ago, starred a well-known actor named Jeff Bridges, a well-known American actor, and shared a, shared a, a, starred a younger actor named Chris Pine, whose work I had admired. And <clears throat> I thought, well, John might enjoy watching this. It's a Texas movie, and we'll see what the writing is like. Sheridan apparently was quite an excellent writer. We watched the film, and I found the film interesting and I read about the writer, I thought, who is this storyteller? Somehow this story is important to him. It was tangible to me, palpable. I could feel there's something about this story where he is trying to say more than the line of the story itself. And I found that Sheridan had grown up in a small town in Texas and his family lost their farm or ranch. It was a small farm or ranch, but... They did not have the means to keep it, and he lost it when he was young. His family lost it. He came to Austin and worked as a waiter. He rode in the rodeos, which is something he was raised in as a boy. And he wasn't able to gather the resources to win back his family land. But he moved out to California and took up acting. And then he started to write. And he just kept writing. And he's written, he wrote that film called Hell and High Water, Hell or High Water. And then he started writing television series. <clears throat> so last year, my brother Peter mentioned, there's this program called Yellowstone. It's written by a man named Taylor Sheridan. I said, I know who he is. He's a, he's a really excellent writer. Peter said, yeah, the program's a bit wild, but it's very interesting. And he kept encouraging me to watch it. So it goes on and on. It's, it's got Four, four seasons. I don't know how many seasons he's going to write, but to me, he's writing the process of his own understanding of the stepping stone he is and the mystery all around it. He's going out into talking about every kind of possible human being one could meet, all the dissonance in each one of them that's predatory and prey and bucking like a bronco and fighting and there's very little respite for goodness. I keep seeking virtue. Where is just the virtue in this figure of the story? Or that one? <clears throat> so we've entered the third season of this now. And last night I observed a program where one of the sons sees a wolf in the woods. 
And the wolf comes to the edge of the woods, and the son, the adult son, talks to him. The adult son is married to a Native American woman. They have one son. He tells the wolf, you may stay in the forest, but this land, the meadows here, this is mine. You, you can't come here. He tells him, you and I are not friends. And <clears throat> the wolf and he are watching each other, and the wolf turns and walks away. And the man's father comes up behind him. It's played by the actor Kevin Costner. And he answers his son, my father could talk to animals like that. They could understand one another. And the son says something like, oh, I don't know about that, Dad. And the father says, well, I do. And watching it, <clears throat> I was aware of that understanding. I'm like that with animals. I always have been. My father's father was like that. Taylor Sheridan wrote that into the script as simply as if he were breathing. It was self-evident. There was the wolf. There was the man. They met. They understood one another. One was the wild wolf of the forest. One was a kind of wolf in the human race. Guiding his pack, guarding them, trying to protect them, trying to find his way safely in the meadows of the world. When we work with certain native tribes around the world, we turn to animals or trees or rocks or pearls stars in the sky, as totems. One grandmother says to her great-granddaughter, I always loved the Pleiades. When you look at the heavens and you see those little seven stars together, remember me, and you will always know what to do. And the great-granddaughter points years later, Daddy, look, look at the stars of Grandma. And the little great-granddaughter knows her direction, because she goes to this place in the center of her heart and to her inner voice, and she goes to the stepping stone from who she is to those stars and from those stars back to who she is. And she is always given an answer beyond loss and violence. God shows her the direction of himself, of herself, of itself, of that. Oh, the direction of heaven. It's all around me. I just have to have the discernment so that if a rabid wolf were there or one hunting out of its terrain and my father or mother were not strong enough to say to the wolf, go back to your own land, your own area. Mine is here. Yours is there. In balance or the saber-toothed tiger, or the fallen human being. The answer of discernment has to be formed as the discipline of the virtues by which we live our lives, the moral code. So that when we meet another person, we can nod to one another and know that we can seek together the direction of heaven. In mystery, if one turns to one's own heart and inner voice and asks for protection, guidance, blessing, and wellness in all ways, the heavens will never fail this in you.
Never. You will always be answered by God and then find your way safely through that which is the planet Earth, that which is our human race, to try to call forward each being as he or she is of wolf clan or clan of the crane or the bear, the sparrow, the dove, the eagle, always everywhere.